What's up? This is Jeff Staple of the Business of Hype. And as everyone on planet Earth now knows, this is kind of a strange time that we're living in. With everyone hunkered down in their own homes, we were challenged with figuring out how to make a show, both logistically, because I typically interview all of my guests in person, but also like conceptually, like what do you guys want to actually listen to right now in the midst of what we're facing? What do y'all need right now? So we figured maybe let's call a bunch of the good people that have been on the show and just ask them how they're dealing and coping with Corona, both from a business standpoint, but also a personal one. I think hearing from people that inspire us will help us to figure out the footing in these uncertain times. I think we all go through this daily battle of figuring out big picture problems like family and unemployment and health while also tackling minutia, tiny details like when was the last time I washed my hands or do I have enough toilet paper and it's a time to replace my mask or can I get away with one more day? These are definitely very unprecedented times. And so this is just our small part in attempting to gather us together and share some stories. I hope you're able to get something out of these. I know for sure it's helped me out a lot just to have these conversations. Okay, let's get into it. So, um, um, all right. So let's start with the basics. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, who do we have? What do you do? And where are you in the world right now? Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I am Miguel McKelvey. I'm the co-founder of WeWork. I am currently chief culture officer. I'm focused on our internal team. And certainly that's um, an interesting place to be now that we're connecting mostly through Zoom and other digital methods. Um, mm -hmm. And I am in London. I live in Primrose Hill. I, um, I, I'm really lucky. I moved here a couple of months ago and I'm really lucky to live right by a park. So I can, mm -hmm. when the police let me, I can go out into the park and get some exercise and walk the dog. And that, that's, um, it's really nice yeah. to be right next to that. You didn't move there because of Corona, right? You moved there for, you were there before. Yeah, no, I moved here before primarily um, just because I was looking forward to like the next phase of life. I was, you know, I wanted sort of a new environment to be inspired by. And also, you know, from a work perspective, I wanted to be around a bunch of our growing locations over here, both in London and in Europe mm -hmm. um, and, and then also in, in Asia. And so it's kind of an irony. I expected a ton of travel this year. Like I, I was expecting to go visit, you know, um, lots of WeWork locations and now it's the exact <laughs> opposite. Yeah. You're just holed up. Exactly. So, um, you know, besides being, you know, in this world where it's like practically apocalyptic, um, I, I, I ask all the people that I've interviewed from before, you know, what's, I, I just asked what's new since we last spoke, you know, and I think what's interesting in your case is the company that you currently work for, it's a lot of people know what's new because it's been so heavily in the news, but more so maybe like with you, and I don't know if you can separate or speak, you know, on which one, but like, what is new with you since we last spoke? For me, it's interesting because there are certainly a lot of things that have happened, but the reality that I keep coming back to, I mean, pre this whole coronavirus thing is that WeWork is still alive and well in the buildings um, and in our communities. And they're, you know, regardless of the media, 
we had members who were um, in our buildings and who were, you know, happy with everything that we were providing them. Mm-hmm. And and so it was a very strange experience to be um, see that like dichotomy of like, you know, the whole media yeah. saying one thing. And then if you walk into a WeWork building, it's sort of the same as it always was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that I think you know, I was focused on that. I've been focused on the future. I mean, you know, I, I've still believed in WeWork and believed in what we're doing. And so, you know, as much as there's like a, a, a higher level roller coaster, um, you know, I was rededicated to just what we came to do when we started 10 years ago. And so yeah. um, to me, that felt good. And certainly, um, you know, there's, I still believe in that future even now, you know, in, in fact, yeah. um, and it sounds bizarre, but I feel even more so because I think we're going to take uh, less for granted in the future about, you know, how great it is to connect with people when we get back to reality. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to definitely ask you more about that later. But it, it is interesting how the press and media can sort of combine the two things into one where there is like the public interaction of a brand, any brand. Right. And then there's the sort of the engine and the inner workings of how that brand is able to produce what they do. And the one sort of correlation that I can, that immediately hits me is like when Nike sort of had issues like a a decade ago about like manufacturing controversies. Right. And, but then like people are still running and playing basketball in Nikes and like enjoying the product that comes out of it. And there was like questions about how the the sausage was made, you know, in, but it's like you have to choose when you're with the company whether like you're going to like dissect the sausage and see what's going on or are you going to focus on how the people lace up the shoes every day you know and so i think like it's interesting to hear you say you just decided to focus on like how people interact with WeWork on a on a everyday day-to-day basis i think there's that and then there's also just what do you believe in in terms of what the company stands for. So, you know, with Nike, like, at least for me, and I won't say I knew the inner workings of Nike, but I just had this faith that Nike was gonna get it right. Yeah, me too. I just- And I might be naive, but I I felt the same way. (laughs) Yeah, and I I was, you know, in Oregon at the time, and I was aware of a lot of the stuff because at University of Oregon, there were a lot of student protests and stuff like that. So, I just kind of thought, you know, this is a company that um, has people who are aware of the world enough that they're going to get mm-hmm. this figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I've um, I've actually become friends with Hannah Jones, who was uh, head of sustainability over at Nike, and she was actually, you know, went through a lot of that stuff with their their manufacturers. Um, and I've heard a lot of the stories about just how difficult it was to um, to clean all of that stuff up. But they yeah. were just, you know, they work so hard at it. And it's really, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing to see um, how they were able to, you know, turn it around. And I think that's a good, it's a good thing to learn from, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And it's a it's a huge mountain to overcome because there's, A, the process of actually cleaning up of how, you know, the sausage is made. And that's one major monumental task. But then there's cleaning up the perception of it, too, which is just... You can do your best at it, but at the end of the day, like I still see people commenting about that with Nike, you know, so like to sort of brush off your past is like the second part of that process. So it is a, it's probably like a a constant everyday challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think that, 
like if you look back into the history of many companies, um, lots of them had a point of reckoning at some point where they went through you know, a really difficult time. And I think um, it's, you know, some lucky companies probably like skip that phase, but I think most of them, you know, experienced <laughs> uh -huh. something like that and then had to bounce back from it. So yep. that's another thing I've, I've tried to keep perspective on is like, Hey, it's, it's, it's important to realize that companies go through a lot of different phases and the ones that make it through the ones that are resilient, um, can become, you know, really great companies. And, and, and I think the majority of people have short memories, you know, I think mm -hmm. they may forget the troubles that a company went through in the past. If, if they like what the company is offering at the time, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, and I think some of the things that we were referencing, like with Nike and the other one that comes to mind, I don't know if you remember Timberland boots back in the day had a big issue, uh, where, you know, their CEO said like, this was in like the nineties, their CEO said like, we don't make products for that type of person. Like and uh, talking about like the hip hop community. And I think right. like that's even more extreme than what you, you know, what we work is going through because the we thing is almost just like a, like a shark tanky kind of like, you know, wall street type thing. It's not like, uh, like a, a people were misaligned or like, you know, taken advantage of in a sense, you know, it's like, so it should be, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But, um, I do want to ask you about like, uh, as we approached this Corona thing happening, and if you could sort of rewind the clock 30 to 60 days, what were you sort of gearing up for and getting excited about, um, before this pandemic came and smacked us all in the face? Yeah, that's so interesting to think back to that because things have changed so profoundly, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, we were really in our next phase. We were you know, we had worked super hard at a new business plan. Obviously, SoftBank is backing backing us with funding. So, you know, we had a new CEO in Sandeep who was, you know, diving into like all the aspects of the business. And I think there's a lot of comfort. There was um, people and, you know, the sort of ecosystem around WeWork. We mm -hmm. were um, rebuilding confidence. And so I think we were at a really good point. And I, mm -hmm. I think... Um, so I personally felt excited about where we stood and, and I still do. I mean, it hasn't changed. That plan is the same. We're still going forward and, you know, we still um, are doing good business. We still have sales happening. Um, mm -hmm. There's certainly complexity, but, but I think we still feel really confident. So um, it's interesting because I think we got to a place through a lot of hard work where we really had a, a thoughtful, you know, disciplined, like highly organized plan, um, and 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 in the and in the the previous years of WeWork, that isn't what we had. So it's so in a strange mm -hmm. way, it's like I had more confidence at that moment, or you know, a few weeks ago, um, than I ever had. And so that's why I think I feel better now. I feel good now because I know there's a really solid foundation for us to build from. Before then, before this happened, what was your day to day routine like? Were you like essentially working from home or you actually had like a, a proper desk and an office to, to report to every day? Yeah, we have a really amazing HQ in London. And so I was going there. I also was going to buildings um, in London, you know, our normal WeWork buildings um, just to spend time in, in different buildings and see different environments. Um, and then I was also traveling back to New York. Uh, so 
you know, some of that was a change. It was like, I was actually in New York and I got a, um, uh, a call that said, Hey, you were in a room with someone who we suspect had, um, coronavirus. And so they said, you should quarantine for the next 14 days. So mm-hmm. I was in a really weird position where I was in New York. I've been told to quarantine, but then I was like, what do I do? I mean, my son, my mother, yeah. um, we're back in London. And so I was in this really weird spot. Um, so, um, you know, that really hit me. Like that's when it hit me really hard that like, okay, things are going to change. Uh, and they change really fast. I mean, I was quarantining, but then the rest of the world caught up within those 14 days, or at least the rest of New York did. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, WeWorks have tent poles in pretty much every major city in the world. So when it sort of lit up in China and Japan and Korea, like, was it something on your radar that was like, like, did you suspect that it was going to sweep over to Europe and America? Or was it more like, okay, that's a that's an Asia thing. And it will, it shouldn't affect us. Like, what was your your gut take on it when it was lighting up Asia? For me personally, and I wouldn't say I mean, I'm not like, I'm an optimist um, to a fault. So I don't think that I would have taken like the pessimist take of Oh, it's over there, it'll probably, you know, mm-hmm. come over here. I mean, I think I just that's not you know, the way my mind works, I think I usually think, Hey, they're going to figure out how to take care of that. Um, so, but luckily I'm not in a operations role where I need to be responsible for those kind of things. So I know our teams took it really seriously. And I think, um, we're, we're very quick to like think through like all the different things that would need to happen to respond to it. And so yeah. I think early on, um, you know, w- we had a heightened awareness um, as a yeah. company as to what things we would start uh, to change. And and because we're, we're there in China, we did experience it very early and that did flow. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think as a company, it definitely was like, um, became immediately apparent that this was something that would, that we might have to consider, you know, around the world. Is, is every WeWork in the world right now closed? Um, no, most locations are open. And the main reason for that, um, you know, our stance has been that um, our members have reason to go into the buildings. Um, uh-huh. And, and you know, many of our members are doing things where there are, there are just essential things that they need from their workspace. And it could be, um, you know, a variety of different things. And they may only come for a short period of time, but they, mm-hmm. but if we're not open, they have a real problem. And so, We've remained open. I think it's, you know, um, paid off for us in terms of um, serving those members. Um, We're also now, uh, we've launched, you know, We Work For Good, where we're um, using our workspace to support, you know, efforts in various ways. And we've opened our doors to um, different, you know, companies or agencies that need space in various cities. Um, So that's something we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we be supportive because we are continuing to to operate. So, um, and there, and there are a lot of, you know, uh, there's still a big future in that as this continues to evolve. So we, we feel good about the role we're trying to play in that. And we're also at the forefront of it because we are global. I mean, so we are gaining knowledge from different markets as we learn different things. Oh, that's an interesting stance to take because coronavirus has hit you're you're now sort of landlocked inside of your home um 
it's still important for you to stay productive, obviously. Uh, did you find that challenging in the beginning, like when it first hit, to just get right into work mode every day from home, like with, I assume, all your family members are sort of there with you? Um, or did you find it challenging, actually, to sort of stay creative, productive, and inspired? It's interesting because I'm not a person who counts on routine. Like mm. I've never been a person who like wakes up at the same time and like goes through a certain pattern in the day. Oh. So, um, so it's in, what's weird is I've found that like I'm able to like float through the day and look for the opportunities to like engage in work uh-huh. and productivity in a way that like doesn't really matter to me so much what time of day it is, whether it's morning, midday, evening. But I, but I do need these like triggers to like get into it, you know, like, mm. and so, um, so it's weird, like my normal morning routine, if I was going into the office, it's like, I drink three cups of really high caffeine tea. We may have mm. talked about that last time. I'm not sure, but, um, but I drink these three cups of really high caffeine tea and I drink them sort of in a certain routine with like maple syrup and like. I love it so much. And then I like puts me in this good mood and I go to work and it's great. I redo that routine now, but I could do it at like six o'clock in the evening, you know, or I might do it at 10 PM or, you know, or it might be first thing in the morning. It just kind of depends on what my schedule is or what I have to work on. So I'm finding more that it's like my day makes no sense from a routine perspective, but it's more like, how do I shift into that mindset? Um, yeah. And I, I would also say a lot of the productivity or inspiration is coming from conversations. You know, it's like, mm. it's harder when you have to plan them. You know, it's like one thing when you're at the office and you like bump into someone and you like talk about something cool and you're like, oh yeah, I feel fired up to go like think about that or work on it. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you have to plan a conversation by a Zoom call, like on the calendar all the time. And I think that's one of the things I'm struggling with is that like I get fuel from those like random interactions. And those are the ones that I'm missing, you know? Yeah. I completely agree with you on that. The, the stacked schedule of conference calls and zoom calls is just, it's, it's strangely more draining than having to commute to meetings and go through lobbies and go to conference rooms, like in, in real life, it's strangely more physically draining to just sit there and like, look at your screen for five hours a day. For sure. I mean, I've taken the ones where I don't have to be, you know, where I, where it's my close team mm-hmm. and I don't have to be like presentable. I take almost all my zoom calls, like walking, like moving. Cause mm-hmm. I just can't keep the energy level. Like I need stimulation. Like I'm used to working in a WeWork where there's stuff going on all around yeah. all the time. Like you can just see action and energy. And I'm just so built for that, that, you know, it's so hard for me to sit in a room where there's this like no visual or like, you know, sound mm-hmm. stimulation. It's just like quiet. And there's only like one input you know, directly straight ahead. Like, um, I'm really <laughs> not built for that at all. <laughs> right. Um, how strict have you been in terms of like staying in? Do you even go out to like get exercise or go to the food market or anything like that? Or are you like strictly in? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not interacting with people, but I'm walking a ton. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. I, like I said, I mean, I'll get on a Zoom and sometimes just walk for an hour and a half straight, and I might do that twice a day um, or, or more. I mean, 
I also, like I said before, I live by the park. And so sometimes mm -hmm. I'll just take the dog over there and be on a mm -hmm. Zoom call and he'll be, you know, running around. Um, and I'm just like watching him play with some other puppy, you know, chewing on yeah. stick, whatever. Like that just to me is like the, the counterbalance Stimulus. to like yeah. this, you know, just being in the, in the hole, you know? Right. So I wanted to ask in your interactions that you've observed of people as you walk around and go to a market and also how you see people digitally, like whether it's in comments or DMs or on conference calls, what are you noticing personally about the state of humanity and people through this whole entire ordeal? Like what is your observation in terms of uh, just people's temperature checks right now? Like are they upbeat and positive are you noticing or are you seeing like uh, a, a sort of darker side of people coming through in this in this whole ordeal? That's a great question. I mean, it's interesting because I see like a lot more joy than I expected. And that joy is coming from, I think for a lot of people, at least those with like families, um, it's coming from either the connections they're making, you know, with their kids at home or with their surrounding network, you know, like that they've mm -hmm. just been too busy to like pay attention to or, you know, so to me, that's the part that I'm like really like surprised by because I am connecting with people and we were, you know, asking people like, what are you grateful for? What are you surprised to be grateful for is the question that we're asking. Mm. And, um, and I think, you know, you find people who are, who are really getting a lot of, of joy from, from, and connection from this whole situation. So yeah. I think that, you know, when it comes to the grocery store, I think there's just like a wide range. There's, it is an interesting <laughs> thing to like stand yes. in line, you know, and like have this like sense of terror for me, there's like a bakery that it actually closed now, but there's a, um, there's a, there's a bakery that like I really love. And, uh, you know, the first time I went there, post this whole thing i was like oh my god like it's so small like how can i get in there and and still maintain mm -hmm. the like six feet of distance and i was like mm -hmm. and you know how delightful like going to a bakery getting a cup of coffee like getting like for me it's like a loaf of sourdough you know to me that's like one of the most joyful small experiences that that you get in a day yeah. and it's just like yeah. relaxing and nice and like sweet and you have a little personal connection with the person who gives you know like, yeah. and that to be gone, like to walk up to that same place where I just have this feeling of like, you know, like anticipation of happiness. And then I get there and it's like, looks like a medical clinic and there's like six foot spacing and, you know, uh -huh. you know, the fear of like touching the door handle and all that stuff. Yes. yes. I mean, it's like, it's so different. It's like yeah. all of that little, those little magical moments are gone. And it's instead this like kind of terrifying, you know, exchange. So, right. Um, there's also this like, like I went to the market recently to get um, like plastic gloves. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I asked the, the the worker there, oh, where are they? And she's like, oh, they're down this aisle. So I went there and the space where they're supposed to be, it's all gone. And uh, at, right as that moment happened, uh, a customer walked by and in her cart, she had 10 boxes of gloves, oh. right? So she just <laughs> oh took all goodness. of them. And then, there, but there's that dilemma where I'm like, can I ask her for one now? Like, do I want to start that conversation of like, you know, 
you owe me one because we're right. both human beings. And that's just so strange. Like that, like that moral thing of like, oh God, what do I do? Is this going to turn into a confrontation now that I've seen on, you know, YouTube videos? Like, yeah. I, I ended up not saying anything, but it was just strange. Like she knew I was looking, you know, and then she had them all and I was like, okay. <laughs> I know that must be, I mean, it's so weird, like on both sides of that equation. Cause I mean, I've been there just like, at the store even with like i don't know peanut butter or something being like should i get two because like i just want to be sure i still have it or am i doing something wrong by like taking two because now someone else won't get one it's like it's just so weird those little things yeah so um i want because you definitely just mentioned how you like are so inspired by what happens at a we work with like the sort of random human interactions and how you get inspired by that um, what is your prediction on the future, man? Like, what do you think the long lasting effects will be of this? Like, so, you know, the, the curve has been flattened. We're let out. We're able to all go back to work. And of course, there'll be this recovery, but more so on like a base human interaction level. Do you think we're going to snap back to the reality we had before? Or do you think this whole experience will change our DNA? Like, you know, will we not want to eat at tight restaurants? Will we not want to shake strangers' hands? Like, will we change in that way? What is your prediction on that? It's so interesting to start to think about that. Like, how will we go back? Because it certainly will happen in phases. My, mm-hmm. my first thought is just like intention and purposeful, you know, um, like, like, creation of new routines and how will people like appreciate things in a different way. So in my like best case scenario, people just become much more aware of how valuable these interactions are. These places are where people come together, you know, they value them more. They don't take them for granted as much because Mm -hmm. I mean, human connection has always been something that I care about. It's what we, it's the foundation of we work. It's like we design for it. We program for it, you know, So, and I think even when it comes to WeWork, I think that a lot of people in the work, in the world of work sort of have started to take that for granted. Like we did a lot to help evolve the way we work became more social um, at like a higher level. And now I think people just, you know, take that for granted. Well, I, I think that these environments will become, you know, more in people's minds more valuable because they'll see a greater dichotomy, you know, before I just, you just take it for granted. It's like, you're just like, okay, well, this is, I go to work, I go to my next phase of my life, whatever it is. Well, now you're going to appreciate the threshold in a different way. It's like each step you take, you're going to be like, okay, what's going on here? Is this Mm -hmm. the right decision to make? Am I at risk? Is the risk worth it? What's the upside? You know, And, you know, how many people am I comfortable being around? Like all these evaluations, I think will lead to like appreciation. I hope they do. Um, Rather than just like taking things for granted. And and so, you know, I I, I can't, I I don't know if that's a, that's a hope, maybe more than a prediction, but, um, but I do hope that people um, see the world differently in a sense of like just valuing those experiences um, to, to an even greater level. And I know I will, because I feel like, you know, super isolated, lonely. And I'm Mm -hmm. a person who, you know, I, I, I'm just, I just thrive in environments where there's a lot of people around. And so I desperately need that, 
kind of energy to come back. Um, yeah. So, so no, and I well think said. there's a lot of other people like that out there. It's mm -hmm. just going to be a matter of how do we get there. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you one last question as a devout supporter of veganism. Is this whole thing carnivores faults? <laughs> like, <laughs> did this all, like if we, if we were all vegans, would we be in this predicament? You know, I, I think that it's like there's a fundamental truth to that, but I think it's larger. I mean, veganism is and and, and plant based diets. I, I mean, absolutely. I believe there's there's they play a role in this imbalance that's been created. And and there's very literal. I mean, there's a lot of examples where, you know, the more we encroach on yeah. natural environments, the more we come in contact with these foreign, you know, viruses, which we're just not, you know, biologically. Uh, prepared for and so mm -hmm. there is something very fundamental of that like like it's real if you don't yeah. mess with these animal environments um you won't get these weird viruses <laughs> crossovers you know? yeah yeah right. so i think that that's true um on another you know level i also think that like our disconnection from just the resources that are that we again that we take for granted it's like you know, we don't think about where our food comes from. We're just like happy that there's pepperoni on the pizza or there's a hamburger on our plate or whatever, right? Yeah, and right. and because of that disconnect, I think people just kind of have no, you know, they don't have awareness of, of what's mm -hmm. going on in the world, you know, and all right. these issues of, of environmental destruction. And they don't, it's just like a complete separation of the two things. Even I think really thoughtful smart people who are who are who are learned on tons of other topics when it comes to food they're just kind of like well it's cool right. i eat, you know i mean i'm gonna eat this steak um yep. so i i hope there's a realization in some way of, of 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 what's going on here in that regard i'm not a vegan but i do feel like that conversation of how our diet and our food system has had an effect on this situation we're in is not being said like nearly enough um, I talked to Sean Witherspoon as well, who is like, you know, also he's a sneaker designer and a vegan as well. And he was like, yeah, secretly, I think a lot of vegans are like waving their finger <laughs> at everyone because like this wouldn't have happened if we were just all doing what we're supposed to be doing in terms of the food chain. Yeah. And I mean, there are other examples of it. I mean, obviously not as widespread, but there's there's several other viruses that had really powerful effects on communities that came from that, like, you know, when, when, when you extend beyond the sort of um, the areas that humans have been uh, living in for thousands yeah. of years, and you break into these new places where, you know, you just start interacting with species that, that we're just not, you know, used to interacting um, with. So yeah. I, again, it's hard for that to come to the forefront when there's so much other stuff going on. And I certainly, you know, I always struggle discussing that because as much as I believe in it, it's like, well, there's people who don't have jobs today who are trying to put food on the table for their kids. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's as much as there might be a truth uh, to this, to the importance of um, eating more plants, there's also just, you know, hungry people. So, um, yes, it's, yes. Uh, you got to be careful there. Right. Well, whenever I go to a grocery store, I always, for some reason, see the produce section filled, but the bread and snack section is empty. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like if you want to just eat some greens, they're there for you. 
I know it is a time of comfort food. I will say, I mean, it's like that's, I've heard friends saying like, yeah, I went back to like, I got a lot of Doritos, you know, I just bought a yeah. bunch of Doritos because I just wanted to like feel, you know, something yeah. that was comforting to eat. Right. Hey, before we sign off, are there any um, sort of like shout outs you want to give to organizations or nonprofits or even just any subset of group that you feel particularly sympathetic and aligned to in this whole um, pandemic that we're in? Well, my number one is vegans on that list, um, people <laughs> eating plant-based diets. But um, I also think, I mean, I would say more people, I mean, I, I say David Chang is someone who I've been really impressed by in the way that he's, you know, promoted and been just really um, strong in terms of the way he's voicing the cause uh, mm -hmm. and sharing information on Twitter, especially, um, you know, I, I've, I love The Daily Show. I love Trevor Noah. I love how quickly they jumped into doing their show, you know, from home and how they've yeah. kept it funny and informative. Like, to me, that's been like, I need that. You know, if they yeah. would have shut down, I'd be like, oh, I can't read real news all day. You know, it's uh -huh. too much. But The Daily yeah. Show is great. Um, I thought what Jack Dorsey just did was incredible in terms of setting an example for, you know, uh, making a big donation. I think that's... Um, impressive yeah um you know i, I think that kind of leadership is going to continue to emerge there's tons and tons of small you know the work that you've done for for you know uh, support of, of restaurant workers and stuff i think mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of like small things that are just amazing to see people taking action and um and i've been impressed yeah. by a lot of people in, in that regard yeah, one of the things that I noticed in talking to people is like they feel maybe overwhelmed that whatever help they can do will be meaningless because it'll be so tiny. But I do think that like even if it's like, you know, helping out your your dog walker or like your your hairstylist because like he's not cutting your hair anymore. But if you can help him out, like anything that you could do, even on like a micro level, I feel like is sort of starting that ripple effect of goodwill. Yeah, I think that's the part that's like, you know, it, it's hard to remember, like, at some level that we all like we all are connected in this. And we all are like every action that we take of positivity will have a ripple effect. I like the way you put that because um, it might seem small, but uh, but all those small actions will add up to a lot. Yeah, great. All right, Miguel, thank you so much for your time. I hope you stay safe and, and sane in London. Yeah, you too. I hope the uh, the I get I hope you get to see some sunshine in LA. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, thanks for tuning in and listening to this special stay at home series of the business of hype. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to all the other episodes that we have on hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It still helps us tremendously to leave a rating, leave a comment, and share the show with others. I greatly appreciate it. You can reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jeff Staple. This special stay-at-home series of The Business of Hype was directed by me and produced alongside Christina Hong. Social distancing was practiced during the making of these episodes, and I urge everyone, stay at home, distance yourself from others, wash your hands, cough and sneeze in your elbow, and don't touch your face. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay inspired, and we will get through this. 
I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to the Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.